Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of James Talks. Really great to have you all here again today. And uh, today I've got another um, interview for you um, with um, with Jory, my new friend Jory. Um, it's really great to to have you on, Jory. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, what's your full name? Because um, it's, is it Jory Micah? Is that right? It, it, well, Micah is my middle name. Yeah, but I go by Jory Micah. Is is sort of like my pen name, I guess you could say. Right. Great. Cool. Um, yeah, and Jory is a, uh, um, a blogger, uh, a writer. She's um, a champion of gender equality. Um, she's done a lot of writing on it. She's writing a book on it soon, I think, um, which is going to be exciting. And, yeah, she's written all over the place about this subject, and we're going to be talking about that a lot today. So, uh, yeah, great to have you here. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, tell us a bit of your story and... Um, like how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Sure. Um, well, basically, I was, um, I really gave my life to Christ when I was 13 years old. And when I gave my life to Christ, I felt an immediate call to be a minister. Mm. And that kind of played out in my teenage years. I started preaching really young. Um, I was sort of the darling of my youth group, I guess you could say. And uh, I ended up going to Bible college and ministry school, and um, I got my bachelor's in ministry. And when I graduated, I just I realized that um, I was trying to climb a ladder that really didn't exist for me. And so, you know, job descriptions would literally say uh, only men should apply, or we're looking for God's mm. man for this job. And I was shocked because. I came from um, more of an egalitarian family. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents never really told me that people out there actually believed that women couldn't be ministers. And so when I saw this, I was just like, what in the world? And so my thinking sort of was, well, maybe I'll go uh, get my uh, seminary degree and then I'll be more qualified than most uh, men out there. And then I... I hopefully will find a job. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I went and got my seminary degree and um, yeah, I did little ministry jobs here and there. Like I taught in Christian schools and I was a part-time youth pastor in a Presbyterian church. So, I mean, I, I did, did ministry this whole time and I, did, I volunteered a lot too, but I was never able to find a, like a full-time pastoral role with, yeah. um, I would have, have, I was young, you know, so I would have happily done uh, like a youth pastor or a college pastor. Um, but the only thing I really didn't want to do is I didn't want to be a children's pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, not because I don't like children, but because I'm just kind of a serious person. You know, I just like, I'm just, I like to do yeah. serious theology. Absolutely. And so I, yeah, so I, <laughs> kids kids, you really have to kind of be silly with your, with your theology. And I just didn't really want to go down that path. I didn't feel called to that path. Um, but after I graduated seminary, it was the same story. I just, I could not find a full-time pastoral job. And a a lot of these jobs didn't matter if I had a master's degree or not. It was the fact that I was a female that I couldn't, not only could I not I couldn't even apply for the job. You know, I wasn't even welcome to apply for the job. So I realized that um, 
this was a serious problem because uh, all these seminaries are are charging a lot of money mm. for women to go to seminary. I mean, I, I graduated with about $80,000 in student loan debt. And even the egalitarian traditions where they do ordain women generally prefer men. Mm. So if women go to apply for a job, even in an egalitarian church, and a man applies too, who has some of the same qualifications the woman will almost always be looked over. Mm. So I realized like that a lot of the general population and a lot of Christians don't realize this is going on. And so I just wanted to, um, I wanted to raise awareness. I wanted to start speaking out about it and using my theology degree to help people understand that this is happening, that there's some very serious injustices happening um, sort of behind closed doors that, that the church really needs to wake up to and address. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. And yeah, there is all this stuff going on and we don't realise it a lot of the time. Right. Um, I mean, I'm lucky to be in an egalitarian church myself. Um, we've got, it's a church plant, we've got joint senior pastors. So there's nice. not like a husband and wife, the plant of the church, are both the senior pastor. Um, there's not one senior pastor, he's the, he's the guy and then... The other ones, their assistant or anything. It's kind of they're both the senior pastors, and we're very clear on that. And have women preaching <laughs> and leading and everything. So um, we're definitely an egalitarian church. That's um, great. Yeah, um, and I'm very lucky to find one because not every church is egalitarian. No, um, they're hard to find. Yeah, um, definitely. So on your site, you mentioned you had a, a dream that you had. Yeah. Um, which you, you said you were going to write about in your book. Can you can you just give us a bit of a, an idea about that, that dream, what that was? Sure. Uh, I don't want to give away the dream because that's <laughs> going to be um, in my book. <laughs> yeah. But um, I will that's say this. Um, I will say in my dream I saw a lot of women who were being held in bondage and, and captive, you know, captive, captured, you know, and... Um, sort of just living out this life of misery, you know, and not being fulfilled in their lives and not, most of all, not being free. And in this dream that I have, it, it was just, I was able to see a lot of women find freedom through Jesus Christ and it was a it was a highly symbolic dream. Um, I had it years ago, and I'll be more detailed about it, of course, in my book. But mm, yeah. it really focuses on um, freedom. And I, what's really kind of cool about the dream is I, I had the dream years before I started the blog. And when I started the blog, um, I had so many. I've in the last year and a half, I've had so many women email me or Facebook message me or tweet me or whatever, tell me how grateful they were that they found someone is speaking out about this. Um, and that they're, you know, all over the world that they're facing this, this sort of gender discrimination and and they, they feel so called to be, um, in the ministry. And I mean, these are lay women and ordained women who are some of these women, they just simply wanted to lead a Bible study and they were just totally ignored or rejected. You know, other women 
like I said, have seminary degrees and PhDs and theology and they can't find jobs. Yet they're watching um, young men who are not trained in the ministry or theology get pastoral positions. So it's just, there's a lot of, um, people don't realize that when you're called to do something for God, if you're not allowed to do it, and you're not permitted to do it, it affects you emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Yeah. It affects you every single way. And you're you're not, you really struggle with daily happiness when you're not doing what you're called to do. But how can women do what they're called to do if mm. so many churches will not permit women um, or even prefer women in, in the more egalitarian churches? Yeah, it's it's so true. It's so true, um, and that's yeah. Um, that cause needs people speaking up for it. Um, definitely, I've tried to do that on my blog. I've tried to, I tried to do it in some of my work, and you know, I, that's one of the reasons I'm having you on. Is yeah. is because of that? Because it's I think it's really important that people hear this this message and this message gets out. You know, and I look forward to reading your book. Thank and you. See, see what that dream was really like. Um, <laughs> um, you've, I've heard you mention that something profound is happening in the kind of the spiritual realm right now. So, what what do you mean by that, and what does that mean for for all of us? Sure. Um, well, I I believe in that we have an enemy. I believe that um, the enemy is darkness. And I believe that, you know, God is the opposite of the enemy and God is light. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, um, I believe that patriarchy is darkness. I believe that it's a, um, cause of the fall in Genesis. Uh, we see a Genesis three 16, when the woman, when woman was given her consequences for sinning, we see that, um, that it says her, your husband will, you will desire your husband and he will rule over you. And so I believe men ruling over women is actually a result of the fall. And then I believe that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to set us free from the results of the fall. And a lot, unfortunately, a lot of people are saying that, um, men are to still rule over women and so we're, we sort of live continuously live under this curse when God has called us to redemption, to partner with him, to that we can redeem what has been lost. Um, so I believe that it's very a very spiritual battle. And you could also see in Genesis where it says that um, to the woman, I will put, um, I forget the word, but basically I will put tension between woman and the snake and the snake was the enemy. And so there's this ongoing tension. I believe that the enemy hates women and even, I don't, it's a special hate different than he hates men. You know, I think, I think that he hates all of us, but I think that there's a profound, um, I think women can do profound things for God. I mean, we, we see this throughout history. Women are generally more attracted to Christianity than men are in the very beginnings of Christianity. Mm. Women were the ones that flocked to the faith 
And even today, I just read an article the other day that said that women are more drawn to spirituality in general. And so I, I think that women are very powerful and I think the enemy of our souls wants to disempower women spiritually and wants to make them insecure and wants to make them fearful. And I think he's very scared. I think the enemy is very scared of women who rise up and lead and really understand their identity in Christ and who Christ made them to be. So I think there's spiritual warfare going on, but I am 100% convinced that even though it seems you know, everything seems like it's at a loss, you know, and, and seems like we're being defeated and that complementarianism and patriarchy is winning. Seems like mm-hmm. the darkness is winning. But I really do believe that, that that there will be resurrection and there will be life and that as we move forward, as we progress in our as humans, that we will see women start to rise up in leadership, not just in the church, but outside of the church, you know, and all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. We're already seeing it, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're seeing it. I mean, in, I mean, in America right now, you're seeing it, you know, you've got a um, very strong female candidate for president, you know, you can, right. have, you can have the first female president this year. Um, right. So, which would probably be quite awesome given the competition. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of people would, mm. would not want her, but I think it'd be cool to have a woman president, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We've had a woman prime minister over here already. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. So, oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely right. And I think a lot of, I think we talked about this on, on, on Twitter as well and how, I think a lot of people bring their own prejudices to their theology as well. Absolutely. Especially in the area of, I mean, sexuality as well, but also in, but mm-hmm. in this area, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, like, um, it's convenient for me to believe that men are better above women because um, I'm a man, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and because I think men are above women anyway, you know, just right. culturally, you know. Um, and that's a very dangerous thing. Um and we let that happen. And to be honest, I, to me, I mean, to me, it's always, it's not just been about the theology for me. It's about just see, just observing, ob, ob, observing people, because mm-hmm. you know there are women out there who have got leadership gifts. Yeah. There are women out there who have got gifts of teaching and and got gifts of knowledge and wisdom and insight and have got all these qualifications and are out there doing stuff. So if God hasn't called people to women to be leaders, then why did he give them those gifts in the first place? Exactly. Doesn't make any exactly. sense. Doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. It's like women, we can see that women can lead. Women have been leading forever, you know, in different areas. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it's just a matter of, um, you know, empowering women to lead and giving women opportunities to lead. I think it's just gotten really out of balance, you know, and we, I think that men should lead too. I think it's, we do best as um, humans and as Christians and as the body of Christ. I think we do best when men and women lead together. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, So what does kind of this look like in your own day-to-day life or church life? What does that look like for you? Sure. Um, well, my husband and I uh, definitely have a strong egalitarian marriage, and 
Um, I guess what that looks like for what that has looked like for me as a woman, um, I think that, you know, I, a lot of people probably think that I'm like this like crazy feminist, you know, but really like I grew up with a father who kind of took care of me, my sister and I, you know, like very, very, um, you know, just took care of us, took care of everything. And then I got married to a man who takes care of everything, you know? So for me, it was like, sort of like just growing up and taking responsibility. And I think there's a real temptation for women to lean towards the complementarianism because it means you don't have to be responsible. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to take, you don't have to make any major decisions and you don't get blamed if things go wrong. But I mean, to me, that's, that's uh, actually acting childlike, you know, and, and I did act like that for a long time. I, I think women with a, you know, a white women with more of a European background are sort of trained that way from birth. You know, I think they're, we're trained to be, um, kind of cute and dependent and quiet, submissive. And, Mm. um, I think as we get older, not all, not everyone, but a lot of us, we, I think women in general and in this European background, we struggle to, we struggle to grow up. We struggle to take care of ourselves. We struggle to um, make decisions because we always had men taking care of us since we were born for the most part in general. And I think for me, it was like, I had to come to a place where I had to either choose like, do I want to have equal authority in my marriage? And if I do, then I need to be, take equal responsibility. Now that looks different for all marriages. So, you know, everybody does that differently. That doesn't mean that, you know, I have to work the same as my husband or things like that. It just means that I have to have a conscious, I need to make a conscious decision that I, we're a team. We're going to make decisions together. If the decisions go bad, then we're both to blame. No one, you know, no one has to to bear more responsibility than the other. Mm. And with that comes the privilege of um, having authority, equal authority in your marriage. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's that's exactly what you know. Um, I think Sarah Betty's talked about um, and Roger Hold Evans as well about mutuality. You know, in 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 marriage, you know. Uh, Jesus is the head of the marriage, you know, that Jesus is the head yes. of the relationship. And it's, no, it's not like the man's the head and the woman's submissive. It's both are submissive and Jesus is the head. And I, yeah. I like that model. I think that's exactly. really... I, I think it's beautiful. I think that it... it another funny thing that people, um, that people don't realize, like a lot of times with very strong... Like I'm, I'm a very strong-willed person. And so if someone's like forcing me to submit, I'm probably going to buck against that. But if someone's saying, oh, mutual submission, where husbands and wives are mutually called to submit to one another, that way of thinking actually inspires me to be more submissive. Because all submission is, is considering the other person and trusting the other person and sacrificing for the other person. It really is just, it's not this. It's weird that, that we tell women to submit more than men when submission is, is really just sacrificing your idea for, for your um, husband or wife's idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I think one of the one of the one of the main problems with this is that that I that I encounter is that there's a lot of good, loving, compassionate people who believe in the traditional view, men and women. You know, and they're they're good people, and you know they love God and they love they love they love others and all this kind of thing. But, right. But they believe in this different theology. This, and it's right. not because of any prejudice. It's just because that's what they genuinely believe. Right. Um, and if we, you know, obviously we wanted to work for this change uh, in perspective and people to women to be empowered and and gender equality um, in church and in all areas of life. Um, so changing, change, making change is not simply about, it can't just be about arguing theology. It has to be, has to be a gradual change, doesn't it? It has to be changing, almost changing from the bottom up in a sense, in, in terms right. of, uh, in terms of maybe educating our children, and I don't have children yet, but if I did, educating children um, that, you know, that this way is not, that, that this old kind of way of looking at things doesn't work and that there's actually a, a better way and a more godly way, we would say. Anyway, yeah. uh, and the good—I mean, the good thing is that this is happening in culture as well. Um, Absolutely, women are getting more empowered in culture generally. But how do you think we can open people's eyes to a different perspective with grace and love, without like forcing yeah. our opinions on them? You know. Yeah, um, I think that this is one of the hardest things to do. Um, but it's it's not just with this area of, of complementarianism versus egalitarianism. Really, it's about finding that balance of meeting people where they're at, but also standing firm on your convictions and speaking out on them. Because a lot of the reason that, that a lot of people have bought into complementarian theology is because they don't know that there's anything else out there. They've been taught from birth that this is biblical and that this is God's way. And they don't realize that there's this whole other biblical theology out there that really is a more beautiful way and more really is a more functional way, in my opinion. So I think the hardest part is when you reach this, when you reach egalitarianism, you usually went through some sort of journey to get there. And you found a, you find a lot of freedom in egalitarianism and you want that for other people so bad. And you want the Christian church, um, to see it and, and how beautiful and how exciting it is for uh, men and women to be truly equal in all ways. And you can get kind of frustrated with people and you can lose patience and lose grace. But I really do think that just like anything else that we need to try to meet people exactly where they're at. Mm. Um, meaning if you're accepted, you know, you're accepted right in this position, even if you totally agree with their disagree with their position, I think that it, you can say, I disagree with you, but I accept you, you know, and, and we are still brothers and sisters in Christ and I still appreciate you. You know, I, I think that when we start drawing a line of, you know, if you're not, if you don't think the way that I think, then we are not going to have a relationship anymore. I think that, and which is tempting to do, don't get me wrong. You know, when mm -hmm. you, when, when you feel like someone's, compromising or something like that. It's, it's not easy, but 
I think that's what the Christian way is. I think the Christian way is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't agree with you and these are my stances, but I still accept you. And, you know, I still want to have a relationship with you because you really can't change people's hearts or minds if you give up your relationship with them. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, for, to, I mean, for me, incl- inclusive church means that we are able to coexist with people that we disagree with theologically in community. Sure. Um, so we can be part of the same community, but we can disagree on certain aspects of theology. Um, Absolutely. I mean, on this this issue, it's a bit difficult because, you know, some churches have all-male leadership and don't believe... Churches, most churches have a clear theology about what they believe about this. So it's more difficult if you don't believe what the leadership believe to stay oh, in the yeah. church. Oh, yeah, I would not attend a complementarian church. No, neither would I. Um, <laughs> I think there's a difference between accepting an individual versus accepting a, an organization. Or I think it's okay to say I'm not going to have a relationship with that organization versus I'm not going to have a relationship with that human being. I think that God has called us to have relationships with as many human beings as possible, but that doesn't mean that we have to be part of their organization and doesn't mean we have to, we have to support their organization, if that makes sense. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, I mean, I've got loads of friends who are, who are complementarian and, uh, you know, I've got... Um, most of my friends are egalitarian, I've got to say. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so that's absolutely right. Um, uh, so what would you say, what practical steps can people take kind of to take a stand against patriarchy and for more equality and, you know, in church communities especially? Sure. Um, well, I think... You know, I know people who are, I know men who are elders at complementarian churches, but they are actually egalitarians, and I call them uh, sort of our private eyes, you know, or they're they're doing inside jobs, and I encourage them to stay and, you know, be a voice for egalitarians within, within that church. Mm. Um, yet, when it comes to women, who are seriously um, distraught in their complementarian environments, whether it be church or uh, organization or something with their job. Um, I encourage women to go because unfortunately you don't have much of a say or an authority to change things. If you're a woman in a complementarian church, um, because your, your voice usually doesn't matter that much. I mean, unless you happen to be, you know, in good with, you know, maybe you've gone to that church for a really long time and you're in good with the pastor or the pastor's wife or something like that. But normally, you know, just regular women who are in a complimentary church and they're very distraught, I don't encourage them to be privatized like some of the men that, that are there and that end up staying and trying to influence and change. Um, so I would say if you are in a complementarian church, is it start speaking up, start saying, uh, we want women pastors, you know, we want women elders, we want women representing women 
at important decision-making tables because when women are there, when there's no woman at, at important decision-making tables, the women of the church, their needs and their wants and the way women think, um, they're not being represented. Women are not being represented in these churches at all. And so decisions are being made. Assumptions are being made about the way women think, or uh, the pastor goes home and asks his wife, but you know, that's just one woman. So we have to, you know, we have to have women leaders to represent the needs and the wants of the women of the church. So I would say start speaking up. If you're in an egalitarian church and you've noticed that there is um, a severe inequality of pastoral staff, there's, you know, six male pastors and two female pastors, then I would say speak up, you know, and say, you know, I thought we were an egalitarian church. There's a lot of women out there that need jobs, pastoral jobs, like, let's pursue that. Let's, let's start hiring women. Um, I would say social media is a great tool to get your opinions out there or follow people who are, who are having this conversation and retweet their things or share their Facebook posts or read their books, you know, um, you know, for our generation, especially, the internet is huge. You know, if you're seriously passionate about this, start a blog, start a podcast like you're doing, you know, start getting the word out there as much as you possibly can. You know, bring it up at the dinner table when you're with your family, you know, just start talking about it. I think that's the biggest thing is just start talking about it. Mm, yeah. You know, small steps, little, lots of little things make a big difference, don't they? And, um, they do. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, what's what's your biggest dream? What would you? What would you? Yeah, you know, what's your your big dream for for the church and for women? Sure. Um, my greatest dream is that women would be embraced as leaders. Um, in the church on all fronts, you know, in every leadership position that there is in the church, that women would be um, embraced and not just uh, put up with, but truly embraced and that women would be viewed as they are, which is strong. Women are very strong. Women have a, a lot of women have a lot of leadership capabilities. Women are intelligent you know, women are just as human as men, and they have a lot to bring to um, mm. every important meeting. They have a lot to say. Women have a lot of interesting ideas. And I think that I would just, I would love to see women embraced um, as church leaders, as lead pastors, as, um, you know, and not just, not just trained women, but lay women as well who really have teaching and preaching gifts um, mm. and they're never able to use them because of this. I would, I hope that these women um, would get more opportunities. And I, I think also I would like to see women more equal in their homes where they have equal authority and they, they rise up and they take responsibility because when we take responsibility, we find security and confidence. And I think that's something women really struggle with is, is a lack of confidence. I mean, and that's because we've been oppressed and limited 
forever, you know, since the beginning of time. And so, of course, we're going to have struggles with security and confidence. So I, I, I would like to see women um, find security and confidence in, in their relationship with Christ and know that they can do all things through Christ and that they are more than conquerors in Christ and that Christ made it so women are equal in both worth and authority and that they believe that with their full hearts and that men empower women because men right now are in the place of authority. So they have, they have earthly authority. And even though women have just as much spiritual authority as men, men have been privileged and have been given sort of this earthly authority and culture. And so it's really going to take men stepping up and saying, you know, I've had enough of this. I want, we need to start empowering women and, you know, men, we need men who will give up their seats at the important decision-making tables for women. Mm. That's, I think that's really, really important too, because, you know, um, the role of, the role of men in making this, this, this change happen is really, really significant because, Obviously, at the moment, you know, like you say, the men have got you got more positions of authority than women. Right. You know, they've got the, they're in, they're more in a position to make this stuff happen. They have to yeah. be willing to give up, in a sense, authority right. in a certain way, and allow women to have rightly to have their voice heard. You know, and to right. use their gifts because I mean, the thing one of the things that I'm most passionate about is seeing people. Um, find their true identity and use the do the things that they're called to do and you know any time that I see that hindered in an individual or a people group for any for a reason which is ridiculous and doesn't and wrong <laughs> <laughs> like you know or I believe to be wrong anyway um, that hurts me and so when I see you know when I see women not hear stories of women not being allowed to lead but just because they're a woman, when clearly they've got leadership gifts, that hurt, that's hurt. That's hurtful, you know. And maybe women, women being made to feel that they can't do certain things, so they resign themselves to playing a certain role and don't even consider the fact that they could, they could have leadership gifts and other gifts that they can right. share with people. And that's almost heart, it's heartbreaking because it yes. because it's kind of you're, you're denying the world the these these amazing gifts. And you're yep. denying this person the opportunity to be who God made them to be. And they may not have realised that, but there'll probably be something inside of them over time that feels like they, there's something they should have done but didn't. Absolutely. And, I hear that all the time. I I think that women find a lot of um, fulfilment in being mothers. But what happens a lot is if they force themselves to be in that typical gender role of wife, mother, um, nurture, I think that they find fulfillment until their children get older, um, mm. particularly when their children leave, leave the nest. And then women find themselves lost because they never, they never tapped into any of their other passions or gifts. And so, I mean, you're your children are only with you for, you know, what, 18 years. And that's, you know, that's only a small portion of a woman's life. So I, I think it's it's very sad. It's very sad when when a woman puts finds all of her identity in being a mother and a wife, and then when that's done, 
um, with the mothering particularly, um, she just sort of loses herself and doesn't know what to do with herself. Mm. So I, I think that's very sad, especially when you see these women who are, who are very smart and educated and um, just have so much potential. But, you know, they never tapped into it because they've been trained in this sort of gender role theology. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've got to make sure that uh, that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> so what's next for you? I mean, what, what are you up to next? I mean, obviously you're blogging at the moment and, um, and you're writing sure. a book. Yes. Um, well, I actually just started teaching um, systematic theology online. Um, so that's what I'm, I've been doing right now. Uh, I just teach one, one class a week. Um, and then I try to blog a couple times a week and I also, um, started writing my book and I've signed on with, um, well, I'm about to sign on with, with a reputable literary agent, um, who will hopefully get my book published. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I look forward to reading that. Um... And I also, um, I was also asked to speak at. Christians for Biblical Equality um, in 2017. So I'm starting to get more opportunities to speak. So that's really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I would encourage you to check out Jory's blog because it's um, it's really great. Uh, there's some really great stuff on there. And um, she's never afraid to talk about what's really, really important and really speak out. Um, and, and on Twitter as well, you're on uh, do Jory Micah on Twitter, is that right? I think that's right, isn't it? Jory Micah, uh, yeah, I'm at, at Jory Micah on Twitter. Yeah, so... And then I'm also on Facebook at Jory Micah Ministries. Cool. So, yeah, connect with Jory. Uh, definitely, I recommend her. Um, so, just to close, like... If there was one thing you could say to somebody who is in the midst of this kind of struggle right now, and maybe in their own church community, and who who really needs hope and inspiration, what what would you say? Um, I would say that there, that this is, things are going to change. But at this point, um, I think that a lot of women just need to sort of run away from whatever it is that's holding them back. So, I mean, if if they're in a church that's holding them back, I I think it's probably time to go. You know, if they're in a relationship with someone that's that's holding them back and, um, you know, I I think it's probably time to work that out or go. It depends on the situation. You know, if they're married, you know, that can be a little bit more difficult to go. But um, if you're in a, if you're a woman that's dating a complementarian, say, and, and he wants you to be something that you're not, I would say it's probably time to, um, check out of that relationship. Um, I think that there's always, sometimes when you're in the darkest places, there's always at least one ray of sunshine. And I would say, follow that sunshine and, and, you know, run towards Christ and find your, find your truest identity in Christ because that, when you start doing that, when you start really saying, like, who am I? You know, who am I in Christ? Who does Christ believe that I am? You know, I am more than this. I am more than what, what this church or this person is telling me I am. 
So I would say chase your identity and chase your dreams. I think that where your passion and your gifts collide is probably your calling. So I, I think, Absolutely. You should, yeah, I think you should chase your calling and, and get out of environments that, that inhibits your calling. Yeah, that's a, that's brilliant. Yeah, mm-hmm. your gifts and your talents come together. That's your calling. I totally believe that. Yes, your, your passions and your gifts. Passions and your gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so so true. Absolutely. Um, and uh, thank you, Jory, for for sharing today. It's re- really encouraging and really um, inspiring as well. And I, I'm, I, I'm I'm sure that a lot of people will be inspired by this and I hope so. encouraged. <laughs> um, and yeah, keep and obviously keep doing what you're doing. We look forward to your book as well. So, thank you. Um, thanks for coming on. Um, no problem. Um, so, uh, thanks everyone for listening. I hope you've really been blessed by by this today. I have definitely. Um, and we'll talk again soon.